Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. Uh, we are, as you know, wrapping up a series on prayer. Uh, next month, we will be looking at emotions. Uh, we'll be doing a four-week series on emotions. What are our emotions? Why do we have them? What do we do with them? What if we can't figure them out? Uh, how are they spiritual? How are they tied and tethered to the text? Uh, what does God want us to do with them? So all of that and more we will look to cover over the next four weeks. But this week we will be wrapping up our time with prayer. And uh, we've been doing things a little different with prayer. We had uh, a panel discussion for a little bit on what are the ways that we pray, uh, what does that look like, um, what have we been learning about it. Um, but this morning is going to be a little bit more straightforward. We're going to look into the text and we're going to um, get after some things that I think I hope will be helpful for us. Uh, as many of you probably know, prayer is the number one most used spiritual discipline, I have been told. In fact, amongst Christians, um, it is the most popular spiritual discipline. Uh, there are even estimates that say more than half, or about 55% of all Americans pray every single day. Uh, and it kind of makes sense to me that it is the most popular spiritual discipline uh, for a, a host of reasons. I want to give you a few. First of all, many of us have grown up understanding all of the promises of prayer. And by promises, I mean we've heard passages that, that say, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened to you. In uh, the book of James, we hear the challenge that says, uh, you have not because you ask not, therefore implying that if you did ask, perhaps you might have, right? That if uh, you actually engage in prayer, there's incredible benefits that come from it. Another promise that we've received is this, that if uh, we're praying, it is the prayers of effective, the prayers of men and women who are called into prayer that actually bring about great results. So you see all through scripture, these amazing promises, things that will come true, so to speak, if we pray. But then we're also told, maybe from the time you're little, about the importance of prayer. I remember going to seminary, taking classes on prayer, reading, honestly, probably 50, 60 books on prayer. There's hundreds of them available. And I grabbed a few quotes that speak to the importance of it. A.W. Tozer says, prayer is the most sacred occupation a person could engage in. Oswald Chambers challenges us by saying, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. We're, we hear stories of revival and we're told that history is silent about revivals, meaning they don't exist if they have not started with prayer. Tozer again says, to desire revival and at the same time to neglect your own personal, personal prayer and devotion is to wish one way and to walk another. It's inconsistent. It's impossible for that to happen. And then uh, Ian Bounds says that when faith ceases to pray, it ceases to live. I mean, we are told over and over again about the necessity and the importance and the power of prayer. I could probably uh, list for you another hundred or so quotes that guilt us into prayer. Um, all those kind of quotes that say, 
hey, if you really thought prayer was important, if you really believed that prayer is doing what God says it'll do, then how come you're not praying more, right? I didn't give any up there because I figured I would save us or spare us the guilt. But the idea is we're told pretty consistently from the time we're little that prayer is of great importance. And then I think all of us could point to beautiful examples of prayer, ways that you've seen it lived out in your life, um, ways that we've seen it lived out in the Bible. If we were to take the scriptures, we would probably begin to highlight people like Abraham who prayed and a miracle happened and his son was spared, or Moses holding up his arms and praying, and every time his arms were raised, every time he was uh, consistent or constant in prayer, something significant happened in the battle. Uh, or you hear stories of Elijah who prayed, and when he prayed, it ceased to rain. Uh, and then when he asked God to move in that way again, then it did rain. I mean, we have story after story through the scriptures. Uh, but perhaps you even have stories in your own life of individuals close to you or that you know uh, that are actually very, very consistent in prayer. People that you would point to and go, man, if, if I could pray like anyone, it would be like them. Um, I often tell people that the only reason I think I'm still doing what I'm doing after the number of years that I've been involved in ministry is because of a few faithful prayer warriors. A mentor of mine who I studied under for a period of time is for probably over 20 years now. Uh, every single day that he prays, he prays for me. Uh, that's to say he might miss a day or two, but for 20-some years he's prayed consistently every day for me. I have a, f a former student in youth ministry. He spent time in junior high with me, he spent time in senior high, we went on wilderness trips together. Uh, he has for the last 14 years, at least weekly, prayed for me and prayed for this community. Um, I have a grandmother that I received via marriage, and um, I didn't get prayed for before, but once we sealed the deal, like 22 years ago, uh, she has prayed every single day for me and for Shannon and for our family. I mean, you probably have stories similar to that, where you can point to and go, man, there are people who are deeply invested in prayer. And yet, I think if we're honest, we hear the importance, we read the quotes, we're challenged, we see examples about it, and yet, for many of us, we are probably just as insecure about prayer as the day we started. We kind of feel at times at a loss. Maybe we feel far from prayer. Um, maybe there are even times that if you or someone was to ask you, hey, uh, how's your prayer life? I think the default answer I usually give is, well, not what I would hope it to be, right? It, it could always be more. It could be better. It could be, and I feel like it's, I don't pray long enough, or I don't pray consistently enough, or I don't uh, enjoy the season of prayer that maybe I'm in. And maybe you feel the same way. Uh, maybe you feel that way all the way down to the very like basic, uh, how do I even do this thing? In fact, uh, I did a little research. The phrase, how to pray, uh, receives over 130,000 unique monthly searches on YouTube 
in the United States alone. And an additional about 15,000 unique monthly searches on Google. If you add that up over the course of the year, um, I mean, you're talking close to uh, like 1.8 million searches, just the phrase, how to pray, which means that our, at our most basic, if it's something that everyone in the United States does every day, at least 55% of us say that we do that, and yet we're asking the most basic question, well, how do you even do the thing that I say that I do every single day? So there is a bit of insecurity maybe in many of us related to this topic. And so um, I'm going to do something a little bit different than typical. I'm going to be more probably topical in my approach this morning. But the idea will be this, or here's my goal, that each of us walk out of here with maybe one thing, uh, one concept, one idea, one encouragement that will uh, motivate us, encourage us, um, kind of in some way relieve maybe stress related to our prayer life, all right? That's my goal this morning. Uh, these are going to come in no particular order, um, but just some thoughts that I've had over the last several weeks about the concept of prayer. First off, I think prayer is more about introspection than efficacy, all right? Prayer is more about introspection than efficacy. What I mean by that is I think many of us are worried about the effectiveness of our prayer. We're worried about what it's accomplishing. We're worried about whether it's bearing fruit more perhaps than what it's really intended for, which is this idea of introspection. This idea of maybe revealing something about myself. Uh, in the Hebrew, there are two predominant words that are translated as prayer. One of the most translated words uh, is where we get the root word that means to judge. So when the rabbis spoke of prayer, they often spoke with this particular word that would remind us that prayer is about the importance of introspection, meaning looking inside of ourselves, discerning our needs, maybe being aware of our desires or our motives. It wasn't so much uh, prayer wasn't so much about the words being uttered as it is about what's happening inside when you begin to pray. What does it reveal about who you are? What are the deepest concerns? What is stirring at the core of who you are? It's taking a peek inside and realizing that God is bringing some things to the surface. And the Bible echoes this same thing that the rabbis are saying, which probably means they're onto something. It says, uh, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We hear things like, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. See, prayer is not just about effectiveness. It's not just about getting what it is we're hoping for. It's also about what happens when we pray. It's about revealing those intimate needs. It's being reminded about God reminding us of who we are in Him. It's revealing the core of who we are. Second, the second idea comes from a passage in 1 Thessalonians, uh, and it is one you've probably heard many times. The passage goes like this. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know that it's important when 
it defines it as the very will of God. But what I think this can teach us is that prayer is more about gratitude than intercession. What I mean by that is it's more about praise. It's more about giving uh, a sense of gratitude back to God than it is about the very prayer requests you're offering. It isn't about what it is you're saying as much as it is about the spirit in which you're saying it. Again, the, there's a second Hebrew word that is most often translated as prayer. And the idea behind it is the word blessing. And it comes from the root word which means knees. So obviously it carries with it the idea that we are bowing our knees before God. A, a sense of like humbleness and dependence before God. But at the very core of the word is this idea that what we're offering when we do bend our knees is blessing. That we're consistently coming before God with gratitude. And the rabbis teach this idea and, and suggest to everyone that there should be a minimum of a hundred blessings prayed a day. Now, it's not that you are to religiously count those blessings. The point is that you should, from the moment you wake up, to the moment you go to bed, begin to utter blessings, gratitude, praise, reminders of his goodness. Blessings before you eat. Blessings when you see something beautiful. When you hear thunder. When you see a cute puppy. Blessings for any and everything. Just consistently just speaking out. And another 93 times a day. And I think if we entered into prayer, not so much about the request, but more about the gratitude or the blessing, I think what we would find is we become more joyful people. We become people who are mindful of the many ways in which God is continuing to shower us with goodness. We're more aware of his active presence in our life as our conversations filled with gratitude. I think there's another idea that we can take from them, this uh, same passage. The Bible mentions pray without ceasing. It communicates it several other ways. It says it this way in Romans, be constant in prayer. In Colossians, continue steadfastly in prayer. And in Ephesians, pray at all times. I will admit for some of us, this is perhaps the most um, guilt-inducing passage. Because we say to ourselves, well, that's not me. I'm not constant in prayer. I'm not consistent. I have not prayed without ceasing. Uh, which means I should pray more. I'm falling short is often the reaction that I hear people giving. Uh, but in the Greek, this idea of praying unceasingly is really best uh, described or translated literally as meaning without a gap. So pray without a gap. Now, some of you are thinking about that going, well, that doesn't really help the problem. It's still, it doesn't matter if you want to say unceasingly or without a gap. Neither of those am I accomplishing, right? But uh, maybe to ease your mind just a little bit, uh, back when the term was most frequently used in ancient Rome, it was used to describe someone with a nagging cough. Now, this winter, you could uh, ask my wife, you could ask the staff, I got some coughing thing. I don't, it was weird. I was coughing for like a month straight, maybe more. 
all the time. I felt like I couldn't get rid of it. I'd wake up in the morning, I'd start coughing. Uh, I would be coughing throughout the day consistently. I'd go to bed coughing. Uh, I'd wake up in the middle. Of the it, was, it, it felt like it was nonstop. I mean, I would come to staff meetings every week, and they'd be like, still coughing? Seriously? This is horrible. Uh, Julie threatened to admit me to the hospital. I mean, it was, it was bad. And in the midst of all of that, like, you would probably say that I developed some, some issue with just, I was coughing constantly. And you would label me maybe a cougher, someone who was just coughing. Right? Now, I would suggest that what it's communicating, and maybe a better way to look at it, is that we're invited to be prayers in the scripture. In such the way that it does not mean that we're doing nothing but praying, just like it's pretty obvious that I, it, I was not just coughing 100% of the time. But just like it means that we're not just praying, it also means that we could be described as being in a condition or having a condition of prayer. That it's consistently coming up. That we're coming back to it again and again. That it's like someone who's got a nagging cough, that it's always there that we're turning to God consistently. And that could be, that could be set aside times for prayer. That could be spontaneous outbursts in prayer. That could be just consistent gratitude. That could be attentiveness. That could be mindfulness. That could be whatever it is that works for you. But the idea is that it would come again and again and again. And then soon we'd be labeled as people who just pray. It's part of our nature to we are. So instead of getting all bound up in prayer, I think it reminds me of this third thing, which is that prayer is more about communion or conversation than it is about performance. Some of us, maybe because we were raised um, in a way where the performance or the action or the thing you did determined how spiritual you were or how much you loved God, or how much credit you got for what it is you were doing. But I think there is some angst at times around our performance of prayer. And I think we just need to be reminded again that it's about conversation. It's about communion. It's about relationship. And so I guess my word of advice in this would just be relax. When it comes to prayer, just Some of us, I think, say to ourselves, but I don't know what to pray. That's okay, because Romans says there's a spirit who is interceding on our behalf. When we don't know what to pray, eh, relax. The spirit's already doing it for you. It takes the burden off, right? Or, I, I just don't know what to say. I feel like I just don't say anything. It's another option. That is prayer, too, to just be silent. To just listen, to be present with, to commune with God. I mean, if we put it in terms, and, and sometimes this is helpful for me, if we put it in terms where it's not like me with the Almighty, but it's me just sitting with a friend who Jesus describes himself to his disciples as. If it becomes this, it suddenly takes some of the um, uh, confusion out about how weird it would be for me just to sit and talk at someone for a really long time. I mean, think about that. If your best friend's hanging out um, and you're, you're just like, 
chilling, you, got, you, you went out for drinks or you're grabbing a coffee. And all you did for like four hours straight was just talk at the person. Asking them for things but never letting them answer. Just continuing to like, oh, here's another thing I just thought of. You know, and then feeling guilty that you weren't talking to them enough. You know, so you're like, well, it was only four hours. I should do it some more. Let me yell at you some more, right? Like, you would go, that makes no sense whatsoever. I don't know why we would do that. And yet, when we realize that we're sitting with God in that same kind of way, he has told us we have boldness to enter the throne room. We don't have to come with trepidation. We can come with certainty. That means when we sit down with him for a time of communion or relationship, conversation, that we can just have a dialogue, meaning there's pauses in it. Meaning that I don't have to talk the whole time. Meaning that I can ask questions and then maybe wait for a response. Maybe sometimes I don't even have to say anything. Sometimes the, the best times with your friend is when you just sit there and you're in the car and you don't have to say anything. Or you're watching a game and you're just like, hey, this is, this is great. And then sometimes you, you go face to face and you have a more intimate conversation and that's great too, but you're not doing that like the whole time. And that's okay. We don't have to. In fact, I would venture to say sometimes our greatest prayers are the prayers that don't have any words at all. My daughter has a way of saying nothing, but saying everything with her face at the exact same time. You know what I mean? It's like when someone looks at you a certain way and you're like, you need to not say that to me. And they haven't said anything, but you can tell they're saying something. And it's like not just saying it, it's going like through you to the other side of your head. Yeah. But also, my daughter has the ability with one look, just sitting there and all of a sudden she turns and looks at me in one way and it's just everything about you just melts. And you're like, she didn't say a word. And you're like, I just want to hug you all day long. I love you. You're amazing, right? Just one look. Does it ever occur to you that God is so in tune with you that all you have to do is give him a glance? Just look at him in a particular way. And he picks up on it. He gets it. He sees it. He's aware wants to be engaged with you in that way. So just simply a look. I think prayer is also about attentiveness. What I mean by that is a constant awareness of God's faithful presence. Noticing Him in everything. Just consistently being aware. I, I've mentioned this probably years ago um, that it, I don't know if you've ever had a time where you're kind of driving down the road and you were either wanting to buy a particular car or you saw a particular car and then all of a sudden you never thought there were that many cars on the road of that variety and then now that's all you see. Just here, here, oh, they're there, they're, they're all over the place, right? And then you're like, oh, I don't want one of those. Everyone has one of those, right? Um, that's how it can be with God. That you just are walking 
down the road and you begin to go, man, I noticed God here and there. And did you see that? And here's what he did here. And can you believe? And this awareness comes that I think is part of what it means to be consistently or praying without ceasing. Mark Buchanan says it this way. Unceasing prayer is a cultivated attentiveness to the God who is always and everywhere with us. Speaking all of our words, thinking all of our thoughts, taking all of our actions in the mindfulness that God hears, knows, sees. Praying without ceasing, then, is not so much something we do. It is a way we are, the way we inhabit our skin, move in the world. It is simply being awake to the reality that though we can't see all or see it all, we know by faith it is there. It is a constant awareness. It is a continual, though usually silent, dialogue. It is a fixed habit of mind, a conscious and deliberate gesturing toward and response to God that after long practice becomes unconscious and instinctive. No more needs to be said on that. It's just an awareness and attentiveness to the movement of God. Another reminder I think that can be helpful with prayer is that prayer at times is more disciplined than delight. There are many passages in the Psalms that speak to this idea that evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress and he hears my voice. I think all of us go through seasons where it is a discipline. It is a bit dry as people describe it. It is a bit hit the ceiling, doesn't feel like it goes any further. Um, Whatever language you want to put to it. And I think sometimes we just have to go through the routine. We just have to stick to the plan, put in the effort. Other times it's delightful and sweet and it comes easy, but sometimes you just got to get up and do it. You just got to find time during the day. You just have to be reminded. You need to set reminders on your phone. You need to do whatever to just go through the habit or the discipline of prayer. Next, prayer is communal, so invite others into it. Um, We see this again throughout the scriptures. Um, Jesus is talking with the disciples, and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. It's not teach me to pray, it's teach us to pray. It's communal right away. And then he starts and says, well, say, our Father, right? He's making the very first lines of prayer communal, that it's an us thing, not just a you and he thing, right? And again, you see it all over the early church. There will be a few verses on the screen. It says, uh, all these were in one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer. They lifted their voices together to God, and the filling of the Holy Spirit fell after they prayed together. The church also chose the seven, the early disciples, uh, or the deacons in the church, and it says that they prayed and laid their hands on them. And then when Peter was later in prison, that earnest prayer was made for him by the whole church. And that many were gathered together and were praying. Again, the idea is that it's communal. It is more involved than just you and God. Sometimes why I think we run into dry patches perhaps in our prayer life 
is simply because we're trying to make it a solo thing rather than a corporate thing. So invite others into it. Set a time where you pray with someone else. Find a friend who is also saying, I want to grow in prayer and say, let's pray together. Ask people for advice. Get into spaces or into groups where you are praying together. Get advice on what works best for someone. Um, continue to make prayer a communal thing. I remember when I grew up, uh, I would say that most of what I knew or understood or um, developed in my prayer life came from being 10 years old, 13 years old, 14 years old, as a, a, like a little kid, as a junior higher, praying with 40-somethings in my church on a Wednesday night. And uh, we would come, there would be a bit of a service, then they would say, hey, everybody break up into small groups and start to pray. Last half hour or whatever is time for you to pray. And I distinctly remember I'd be, being next to my dad and my dad would say, hey, let's go, let's go pray. And we would gather around and a bunch of other guys would come and they all seemed to be balding or have gray hair and we'd all sit in a circle and I'd be like 10, and I'm going, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I remember telling my dad, like, what am I supposed to do? And he's like, just when it's your turn, just pray. And then I'm listening, and they're just praying, and it feels like 20 minutes per person. I mean, they're I just going and going and go, And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, how do you even have this many things to pray for, first of all? Second of all, why are you praying so, like, uh, like detailed, like what you're asking for such intricate things. And like, I, I was just amazed by the things they prayed for. And they would go around and then it would be my time and already like nobody's left in the church and it's just us, you know, uh, because everyone else is already done praying. And I always got stuck in the group with my dad with everyone praying for a really long time. And I hated it. And yet it's probably one of the most like meaningful aspects of prayer that is motivated me to be someone who continues to pray is those moments. I remember specifically, there was one gentleman um, who after prayer time got over, he kind of took me aside and he said, man, keep it up. He goes, you talk to God as if he's actually right here. And that is impressive to me. And I was like, when, like, okay, I'm coming to prayer next time, right? Because like, you're encouraged because something happens when you do it communally. Something happens when you're doing it with other people. That you don't get that when you're praying on your own. You, that might be sweet, that might be helpful, but what you don't do is learn in that moment in the same way. You're not encouraged in the same way. You might both pray for the exact same thing, or there might be four of you all praying for the same thing, but nobody prays about it the same way. And so if you can engage with others in the power of prayer, I think that can be so vital to your prayer life. Let me give you just two more as we wrap up. Uh, next, there is no plagiarism in prayer. Okay? No plagiarism. Borrow. Borrow from tradition. Borrow from people. Borrow from dead people. They can't even like take it up against you, right? Pray the scriptures. There are, there are so, people have been praying for centuries. They've prayed some really great things. Pray them. Echo them. It's okay. You should. 
I, I have found that some of my richest times in prayer are times when I don't know what to pray, and so I just simply borrow other people's words. I just simply say, I, I, I'm going to rely on somebody else, and I'm going to take what they say to be meaningful for me for this particular day. I mean, think about it. The words that you echo are words that for hundreds of years have been echoed by other people. There is something incredibly powerful about that. I mean, you're not just praying your prayer. You're praying prayers of saints. You're praying prayers of missionaries. You're praying prayers of people who've led revivals. You're praying prayers of people who've seen countries come to know Jesus. You're praying, um, that's amazing. So take advantage of it. There's no plagiarism in it. Just jump into it. Let me suggest a couple. Um, Obviously, you've heard of the Jesus prayer, right? So, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's just, you do it with your breath. As you inhale and exhale, you just simply are mindful of the fact that Jesus is present with us and you're asking him to have mercy on you throughout the day. Simple. Or, pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And pray that. And at each section, when you're praying that, then you can stop and be spontaneous. God, I'm asking for your kingdom to come. I want it to reveal itself in this place. Or I want it to reveal itself in this situation. Or I need it to be revealed in my family. Or could you please reveal your kingdom come in this neighborhood right now. It's just simple like that, right? Give us today our daily bread. Father, what I need today is your bread, your life your energy, I need this specific thing. Can you meet that need for me? Right? And just, Lord, lead me not into temptation. I've been struggling in this particular area. Will you help me with that? And you just make your way through the prayer and just be spontaneous in the middle of it, but it becomes a bit of a pattern for you to pray. Or you just repeat it again and again and again. Another one I have found helpful is a Trinitarian prayer. Uh, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, set your kingdom in our midst. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, renew me and all the world. I enjoy this because it's about me and about the world. It's about me and yet it gets my eyes onto others. It's about me asking God to do something specific in my life, but at the same time, God... I care about those around me. Will you move in this way? The truth is, when I begin to borrow or plagiarize from other people, I find that, one, they pray way better than I do anyway. And, and two, there, there's something powerful about knowing that I've been united with others in that same prayer for centuries. Last but not least, I would say this. Embrace your personality in prayer. Uh, Some of perhaps our uh, challenge with prayer is that we see somebody do it a particular way and therefore then assume we're supposed to do it that way. Or we hear somebody who prays with, you know, energy and then we think that's the way we've got to do it. But the truth is, I think um, prayer is pretty diverse. It's pretty unique. I know many of you in, uh, in here are into the Enneagram and all the numbers and what they mean and what they represent and all of that, right? I would say prayer is a bit like that in terms of complexity. I'm not saying there's a specific prayer for each Enneagram number. I'm not writing a book or anything, right? Okay, so relax. 
But what I am saying is that we are all so unique and so different and that we come at it from different perspectives. Just lean into it. If you like making lists, make lists and check them off. If you like to pray for others and there's a, that's a, a way of you serving other people, do it. If you want to pray to win, do it. Be a warrior, prayer warrior. I mean, some people love that language and they're like, man, I'm going to conquer people. I'm gonna go for it, right? Other people go, no, that, I would never do that. That's fine, right? Be subtle and soft with your prayer, right? Some pray joyfully, pray intellectually, pray while walking in nature, pray with candles, pray on your knees, pray while standing, pray while walking around, pray with prayer breeds, pray um, with the sign of the cross. It, it doesn't matter how you do it. The point is we're called to do it. We're called to lean into it and something beautiful and amazing happens when we do. So my hope this morning is that simply that we're encouraged to be a community. We've been looking at prayer. We've been praying together. Uh, all of you or many of you submitted requests. We've been praying as a staff over those. We did that over a retreat where we just took all the requests and began to pray for every specific one by name. And we want to continue to lean into prayer. We want this year to be about a, being a community that continues to lean into the importance of prayer. On the screen to end... Uh, just a few questions you can ask in group this week. So if you have your phone, just take out uh, the picture or take out the camera um, and make a picture. But each of these questions are based on those points that I, uh, I threw out just a minute ago. Um, can we be people who pray with introspection? Can we be people who are wondering about prayer and its uniqueness? Can we just be all about gratitude? The list goes on and on. Let me pray, and then we're going to uh, enter in time of communion. And my request is that when we enter into communion this morning, that we would um, maybe just be mindful of the idea that God takes our glances as prayers, our silence as prayers, the way we look at him or the way we feel about him. And I just want to encourage you, when you pray, during this time of communion, that you would just be mindful of that. That God is observing, he's watching, he sees what you're presently doing. And uh, just let him know how you feel in that moment. Let him know about his gift and, uh, and the blessing that it has incurred in your life and, uh, and how it is you're grateful for it. Let me pray and then we'll take communion together. God, there is uh, so much more we could say about this uh, divine subject. Uh, it is one that uh, I think, well, I know by my admission, I feel like uh, I never quite can wrap my head around it. And by many of us, uh, we feel a sense of inadequacy about it. But God, I just ask that this morning what we looked at would just remind us that we can relax. That we can just be present with you. That we could maybe take some of the pressure off. Um, wouldn't be about performance. It wouldn't be about requests. It wouldn't be about uh, seeing um, something come true in our life, but rather that it would be about what you're doing in us, that you're changing us, you're making us more grateful, making us more aware of you, and that in all of that, you're deepening our love and affection for you, our loyalty to you, and our ability to live in what you've called us to. 
God, guide the rest of our morning and may uh, you be fond of the way we worship you in these next few moments. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. doesn't have to be the blue iris. It could be weeds in a vacant lot or a few small stones. Just pay attention. Then patch a few words together and don't try to make them elaborate. This isn't a contest, but the doorway into thanks and a silence in which another voice may speak. Let me read it one more time. Praying. It doesn't have to be the blue iris. It could be weeds in a vacant lot or a few small stones. Just pay attention. Then patch a few words together and don't try to make them elaborate. This isn't a contest, but the doorway into thanks and a silence in which another voice may speak. <laughs> 